0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Fianta. You know what Christy Matheson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clipped together every time we've talked
1: about him on other people's profiles we've done a mickey cochran episode i can't get past rabbit marinville it's it's not necessarily hall of fame it's not necessarily above average but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore
0: and welcome to above replacement radio where we're talking baseball kind of whenever i'm your host Christiana over there on the other side of the, or not on the other side of the screen, to my actual left is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, not only do we not have screens today, we have whole new equipment that we're working with today for
1: the first time.
0: Yeah, it's a like this is uh, this is the best I think above replacement radio has ever sounded, especially as above replacement radio and not the show to be named later when yeah. we were in radio. Yeah, it's basically a uh, yeah. So we were given the uh, we were given the Springfield. Uh, microphone audio equipment we have like levels and all this stuff i mean the the system is amazing so we're really excited to have uh to have this equipment with us
1: it's very high tech compared to what we're used to working with for sure
0: oh yeah yeah for sure uh i mean this is million a million times more uh efficient than uh what we've done before but yeah Just a a great improvement, great addition to Above Replacement Radio is this uh, podcast setup. And you know, maybe after uh, our days of spring with Springfield College is over, maybe we'll have to, you know, I'll have to get one of my own of of these things because, man, it is uh, it is wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, so you know, the 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 days of the regular season are are kind of winding down, and there's not many races that are eye opening i would say you know nl wildcard and nl west are still kicking around a- al wildcard still happening but over the past week not a lot of like series did did that much there weren't really any like sweeps or any real momentum changes that that occurred so uh you know we're just going to go into a thing i you know we we talked about it off air about doing it it's just a fun little subject we're going to we're going to each list Top ten players we wish we had stat cast for. Uh there's gonna be, you know, a, a variety of players. Basically like what I imagine it would be is we get their stat cast data, we get like their percentiles and rankings, but if you go to the rankings you don't get to see so if I wanted a player from nineteen sixty three, I'm not getting the other nineteen sixty three ranking. I, I, uh-huh. well it's it's like a blank it's like a blank name with the with mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. with the stats next to them, but we don't see what names attached to them outside of the player we pick. Um, so that's what I imagine. But uh I mean, I guess we can start out. I mean this is gonna be a fun subjective list, uh, really just highlighting what <laughs> what we want from baseball history. but uh Daniel, let's start out with number ten. All right, number ten on my list
1: is one of the many history alums that I featured. Uh, a guy who I think I would love to see his percentile rankings because I think they'd be popping off the charts virtually every year. Jimmy Fox, uh. Jimmy Fox would be a good one to look at. Like that guy, one of the best power hitters in the history of baseball, one of the best power hitters when power hitting wasn't really a thing. You know, we're talking early twenties or late twenties, early thirties. Offense overall was good, but you know, home runs weren't really that big of a thing outside of Babe Ruth and then Jimmy Fox. Probably the best. Uh, he is, I believe he has the best OPS among right-handed
0: hitters of all time. Uh, Yeah, I think so. Yeah, 1038. Yep. Uh, yeah. Has the, has the highest OPS like, of all time. I, can,
1: I mean, he's probably 100th percentile, or at least 95th percentile in virtually everything for all the years that he played. I think that'd be a lot of fun to see.
0: Um, And yeah. I'm
1: assuming, like, one thing I would assume is, like, I mean, I'm assuming hard hit rate wouldn't be 95 miles an hour, just because that's not, like... right. He led right. the league in hard hit rate with... 3%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, they'd probably have to adjust so it's, like, a substantially different number. But, I mean, his hard hit rate would have probably been, like, at least 50% every year, maybe even higher.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, probably for that area, you'd have to make it, like, 88 miles per hour or something like that. I probably,
1: it might even less. I mean, it's hard to say because we literally don't have any data, but it yeah. definitely wouldn't be 95.
0: Yeah, exactly. This is exactly why we have to make... Uh... <laughs> why we have to make this uh, list here. Yeah,
1: we wish we had StatCast so we got a better perspective of what it was like. And Jimmy Fox is definitely one of those guys.
0: Yeah, absolutely. My number 10 is uh, another history alum. And I think one of the themes of my StatCast, uh, my Statcast wants is kind of representing each era, especially with pitchers. Mm-hmm. So uh, my number 10 is Sandy Koufax. Uh, I, I want to see like because he was the first guy he was one of the first strikeout machines i think he was the first first guy to have a qualifying season with like 10 plus strikeouts per 9 so he had to be a revolutionary in in some sort and i wanted to see like what his fastball was at what also what his spin rate was at and also the curveball vertical drop would be interesting because he's been noted to have like one of the greatest uh curveballs of all time along with his exploding fastball so i'd like to see where that where that was at and of course, percentile wise, he was probably like hundredth percentile, and mm-hmm. and all that, especially in the uh, early to mid '60s. So, yeah, Sandy Koufax is my number ten, and I guess we'll we'll snake it. So okay. I'll take, I'll take number nine. Number nine's a uh, an interesting one for me. I'm taking the original Billy Hamilton because, uh, because okay, I want to see. What the bet? What the fastest guy in the 1890s was all about. <laughs> I love it because uh, for those who don't know, I believe he had four 100 stolen base seasons. So that's some speed. And uh, I want to see, yeah, I want to see where he's at sprint speed wise. And also, he was great at walking. Let's see his chase rate uh, and all that. I, I, yeah, I want to see uh, the original Billy Hamilton and uh, why how fast exactly how fast he was and you, you know the feet per second and the um i think the 30 like 30 feet um dividers or whatever i i'm not exactly that i'm, I'm not super familiar with uh with the how they how they um measure the sprint statistics but billy hamilton would surely be uh <laughs> interesting to highlight so what is your number 9 I love how you preface that as like the original Billy Hamilton, as if it's another guy that was like Billy Hamilton, but no, it's actually
1: <laughs> the other guy that was named Billy Hamilton. My number nine is a very, very similar one to yours. Same era. I'm looking at the same stuff. It's one of my favorites. It's Nap Lajoie. Yep. I would love to see, once again, his sprint speed. Uh, people forget, like, he, he led the league in slugging four times. Uh, right. You know, he didn't hit a lot of home runs. He hit 82. Uh, but still, like, in 21 years, that's that's a lot for that era. Five home runs per 162. Uh, his, he had a 643 slugging percentage in 1901, in a year where he also had a 426 average. So that's still uh, a 220 ISO. Yeah. Like, he was, like, he had power numbers before. And, I mean, this is 1901. Absolutely no. but Like, when I talk about, you know, 20s and 30s, yeah, they were still offensive, but still not a lot of power. There was no offense in 1901 whatsoever except for Right. right. Like I'd be shocked if there's any category where he's like where he has a a circle that isn't red.
0: Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like
1: between sprint speed, between uh like outs above average probably even. Yeah. If that could exist and then just all the hitting stats, like I would love to see what that looks like.
0: Yeah, cuz the the best hitters of the of the dead ball era, like when you look at guys like Naples-Joie, Ty Cobb, Hannes Wagner, you know, they were they weren't hitting home runs, but they were the OPS leaderboards because that ver- the version of hitting home runs back then was doubles and triples. Mm-hmm. So like Nap Lajoie would have been the high exit velocity guy, the high barrel rate guy. <laughs> I, I can't imagine what a barrel was in 1901, but led the league <laughs> with a five percent barrel rate. Oh my god! Yeah, like I think. It, I mean, I, it might still exist. I right? think to get a barrel, you have to be at like 98 the... miles per hour. I was going to say velocity. you'd have to
1: you'd have to adjust. Like the launch angle would probably have to be lowered too. Yeah, exactly. Because no one was hitting home runs.
0: <laughs> yeah, a launch angle between I mean, zero 10, and fifteen. Yeah, t- ten and fifteen. Exit <laughs> velocity of eighty-five. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That would, that would be great. But uh, and if you have anything more on Napolitano, you or you can go to number eight.
1: Yeah. So number eight is um, another history alum. This one I think it was a. I I feel like this one was a little out of the box for the reasons. Talking about Johnny Bench. Johnny because Bench. Because Johnny Bench is the consensus best catcher of all time. It's not really disputed that much. We did an episode on him, so we can certainly attest to that. But I want to see what the defense looks like because defensive metrics for catchers in Johnny Bench's era are basically non existent. Uh, you know, fangraphs didn't introduce defensive run save until later, they didn't introduce framing until later. There's really no legit way we can evaluate how Johnny Bench was as a catcher. I would love to see outs above average, catcher pop time, catcher framing on the on StatCast to see if he passes the test.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. That would be a, a very interesting one because, and he would be someone who would be, per, you know, high percentile and everything like most of the people on the list because great offensive catcher, great defensive catcher. I, I don't know what to make a, a con. It would be like, you know, a healthy... Uh, Yasmani Grandal, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, my number eight is actually also a catcher. Uh, I'm looking at uh, Josh Gibson for number eight because, uh, you know, there's obviously a lot we do not know about Josh Gibson. Uh, they did recently up- update his statistics on baseball reference, but I feel like still that's only a fraction of what was actually uh, seen from Josh Gibson. So I want, you know, a track man, and whatever else they have on Josh Gibson, uh, constantly. If we, if we go in the time machine and see, you know, also, I don't know the configuration of all those Negro league parks. So like how far were these home runs going, uh, that he was hitting. Cause you know, according to legend, he was someone who was hit like between 800 and a thousand home runs or something like that. You know, I want to see, I want to see how far these home runs were and, uh, you know, the percentile rankings among like the Negro leaguers and, uh, actually, yeah the percentile rankings among all major leaguers because yeah. you know Negro it, leagues aren't major leagues. Yeah, they are major leagues and you know, unfortunately there's no way we could see how he would do in major league baseball, but it would be interesting to see, uh, you know, what it'd be interesting to see uh how his exit velocity barrel rate, hard hit rate compared to, you know, all the other major leaguers while he was playing cause he was playing in the thirties. So, uh it would be competing against guys like Fox guys like Ruth uh guys like Gehrig. it's um, a good one so it would be that would be uh extremely interesting to see for for the for that uh multitude of reasons my number 7 is uh you know a pitcher another pitcher representing an era who was uh another uh, sort of revolutionary you could you could say uh the big train Walter Johnson uh i want to see you know every, everyone says everyone uh, from back then says his fastball was like amazing. I want to see what it actually was at. I imagine it probably averaged like maybe 84, but I want to see, you know, how it how that fastball velocity ranked versus like the list below him if he was the guy who was throwing the fastest. Uh also it would be interesting to see someone like him the pitcher use the, the pitch usage because I imagine it's like 85% fastball Fifteen percent curveball, yep, and that's about it. Pitch mix, yeah. <laughs> he, yeah, he wasn't exactly. Uh, he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't. He he was like Matt Whistler, except with a fastball, probably. Mm-hmm. I would imagine. Uh, so yeah, that would. Be, I mean, to be fair, everyone was probably like Matt
1: Whistler, but with a fastball.
0: Yeah. To to be fair, like, but you know, part of it is he's you know representing a pitcher in an era. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it would be fun to see. A you know. Fastball velocity, where it was at, Um, and uh, that's kind of mainly what I would look at, and the pitch usage probably would be uh, second reason. So who do you got for your number seven? So I also kind of went with a similar approach with pitchers than you did, where I picked a
1: certain amount of pitchers each to represent an era, but my kind of mindset is like the older you are, the more interested I am. Like, because mm-hmm. the further we go back into the baseball history, just the less we know in general. Exactly. So that is why my number seven is Nolan Ryan. Ah. That's, I'm assuming you're probably going to talk about him later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's probably, he's the youngest pitcher I have on this list, as ah. you can very well imagine. Yep. Um, But I mean, it's, I mean, it kind of goes without saying, like the, the guy threw until he was 45 years old, maybe even beyond that. Do you do you remember off the top of your head? It was forty six. It was forty six. Yeah, I want to see what he was throwing at age forty five. Like exactly what was that? I want to see how much velocity he was losing between, like his the seventies, the eighties, the nineties. You know, Um, I want to see all that. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't really know what else there is to say. Nolan Ryan is kind of one that speaks for itself.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you're right. I will be talking about him later on. Uh who do you got for number six?
1: So the number six um is another pitcher from a older era, Bob Feller. Mm. He was he was kind of touted as the biggest flamethrower of his generation, fifties, sixties, a little bit before uh Nolan Ryan. I feel like Statcast would do a better job of evaluating his fastball velocity than yeah, I agree. driving a car next to it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: If you if you go to I'm sure this is on YouTube video somewhere, there's a video of Bob Feller in like a button down shirt and like dress pant dress pants like just firing off a fastball while a car is simultaneously driving past him yeah. at like a speed of like 90 miles an hour or something to show that like he was throwing faster than how the car was moving yeah <laughs> because that was how statcast worked in the 50s uh i would like i would like a better version of that yeah
0: for sure yeah for sure um all right my number 6 uh probably a little yeah, definitely well now I know, definitely higher or lower on my list than your list. Uh Barry Bonds, I have at number six. Uh, you know, I think the most the most fascinating thing, and I wanted to include just someone who the, cause he repre- he definitely rep- represents an era and he represents a guy who, you know, wasn't on steroids and then was on steroids and we kinda know uh when that was. So I want to know Exactly what the exit velocity difference was when he was on uh, when he was on steroids, and I imagine it was you know probably in the ninetieth a hundredth percentile before, but it probably changed uh, even more. It probably changed even more um, after that. So I think that would be very interesting to see because ex- we always talk about you know what's the difference between steroids and you know not being on steroids and being on steroids. We would probably get a a good uh, assessment on, uh, you know, what Barry, you know, what a guy like Barry Bonds experienced in in terms of change. So I think that would be interesting. And then the before steroids would be fascinating too. sprint Mm -hmm. speed Mm -hmm. um, and uh, outs above average, too, because he was also a pretty good defender before, uh, you know, before he started growing uh, like like a madman for sure. Uh, so, yeah, Barry Bonds just as a whole. And then also the change between uh, no steroids and steroids. Uh, and my number five is uh, Andrew Jones. Because Ooh. because uh, he, I believe he leads in defensive war among outfielders. So, I want to see what that outfield jump is like. I want to see the outs above average. I want to see his catch probabilities. I want to see his uh, route efficiency on, you know, some of the broadcasts, if you, if they just were able to somehow add that to like the NBC Sports ones with uh, Bob Costas and Joe Morgan and, and, and the TBS ones, too. I want to see uh, all of that, all the defensive stuff from Andrew Jones. And also, you know, he was a good hitter, too. So the exit velocity stuff would be um, would be pretty interesting to see as well. But uh, for me, I just want to see all the uh, all the outfield defensive metrics from Andrew Jones. Uh, what do you got for? Number five. So my number five is a very similar type. First of all,
1: before I go to before I move on, Andrew Jones also like put some respect on those offensive numbers too. His 2005, the only season in baseball history with 50 home runs and a two-plus D WAR. Yep.
0: Yeah. yeah. He he would be high in the exit velocity and barrel rate as well. For sure.
1: So my number five, very similar type of player again. I'm looking at Roberto Clemente because ah, yes. I mean, first of all, that arm. Mm-hmm. Like I want to see what, I mean, how much he's firing out of the out of the cannon. I mean, there's that video of him and making that throw from right field, like the very corner all the way to home plate on, like, not even, like, on the fly. Yeah. Like, probably the most absurd throw I've ever seen. I need to get the miles per hour on that. Exactly. Like, that, I don't even need to see the 3,000 hits. I don't even need to see the rest of his career. I would like to see it, but I don't even need it. I need the miles per hour on that one particular throw. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see if it's, like... If it's like if modern players are even keeping up with that, yeah, like that's not a throw you're seeing anywhere nowadays.
0: Right, right. It, um, it's very hard to, uh, yeah. He'd be, yeah, he'd be up there like probably Renfro and Judge. Yeah, would be, and not, would be not, not to mention,
1: him. I'd also just like to see his batted ball charts. Like, I would love to see his spray chart. Yeah, I think that'd be a really fun one to look at. You know, we don't really get stuff from from, uh, you know, spray charts only started like.
0: I think pitch tracking era or something like that, right? Um, Yeah, pro- probably, or at least, you know, accurate sp- spray charts. Yeah. Uh, whether it's, where it's being charted by, like, a computer program and not, yeah. like, human beings. Like,
1: I think that'd be a really fun spray chart to look at.
0: Yeah, yeah, especially from a, a contact li- guy like himself. I'm pretty sure he was a 317 lifetime average or something like that.
1: Uh, it was, th- yeah, you got it,
0: 317. Um, Yeah, so, and he he didn't necessarily rely on power. And I think um people uh people in in like uh documentaries or whatever. They said he didn't have high stolen base numbers but he was a very good base runner so mm-hmm. um I think it would be interesting to see the sprint speed too. Yeah. Um or oh yeah, you got number 4.
1: Yeah, so my number 4, you already mentioned it's Barry Bonds. Uh I, I just I need to see the radical chart.
0: Uh radical chart.
1: Yeah, you know like the I'll I'll, I'll pull up one but like on Savant uh, it's part of the illustrator where it's like you see, I don't know how to describe it with words, but like you see the little chart where it's like the half circle where it's like a little dot to represent each batted ball in terms of uh, exit velocity and launch angle. And it like it's color-coded to whatever the, the result of like the batted ball was. I need to see that for Barry Bonds.
0: Yeah. I'll yeah. show
1: you. I'll pump one up one right now.
0: And actually, one thing, since we're back on the subject of Barry Bonds, I think the one maybe I would want the most is Ooh. the uh the numbers on the Game Six 2002 World Series. Yes or no? Yep. Game Game Two 2002. Yeah, yeah World like Series. one of these charts.
1: Yeah, that would be. I need to see what that looked like. Imagine 2001 with 73 home runs.
0: Yeah. Oh
1: my God. Just 73 red dots on that on that uh semicircle.
0: Oh yeah, and also I think as I keep going to Barry Bonds. I think it would be also interesting. I don't know if you can get like um how many how, the percentage of baseballs thrown out of the zone against him. I
1: that's what I was going to say. Like the next point I was going to get into was there are so many fun search tool things I could do with Barry Bonds. Yeah. Like that's that's that is an endless rabbit hole that can give me. Uh, you know how many how about that's we could generate like his 2004 season he saw 66% pitches out of the strike zone that is a major league record how about that
0: yeah yeah like (laughs) we would really be able to put numbers on yeah how many actual chances he was getting to hit home runs over
1: the last two months 80% of the pitches he's seen have been out of the strike zone including because back then it would include actual intentional walks Yep. because that's four actual pitches that are right. being thrown out of the zone and being counted. Right, right. So that's going to fluctuate the numbers a little bit.
0: Right. Yeah, the average fastball velocity against him was probably like in the 70s because of all the intentional walks. Yeah. Uh yeah, that's Yeah, Barry Bonds is just like I mean there it would be endless endless stuff you could yeah. find. I'd lo- also I'd love to see like
1: His 1991 season is one where he should have won MVP. He lost to Terry Pendleton that year. I I guarantee you he got unlucky that season.
0: Yeah, yeah, probably.
1: Like, I would love to see how many. Like, that's one we haven't mentioned. I want to see how many of these people got unlucky. Right, yeah. Or, like, or how, like, okay, Barry Bonds had a 14.22 OPS in 2004. What if his expected OP, like, what if his expected WOBA or his expected slugging was, like, just barely lower or even maybe a little bit higher?
0: I mean, yeah. It, it like would be how something. much like how much of a difference could it have been? Right. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think it would apply, uh, pretty universally. Yeah. So yeah, Barry Bonds would be someone where yeah. That is my number four. Endless. Uh my number four uh is uh Greg Maddox because and it it's not for the reasons I picked uh Sandy Koufax or Walter Johnson. I think there's just so many fascinating things to look at Maddox. I wanna see his average fastball velocity compared to the rest of the pack. Because, you know, we, we say it's low, but I, I actually think it probably wasn't as low relatively to the rest of the pack as maybe we thought it was. Uh, also, I want to see uh, change up movement because he had a changeup that would run in on righties, had a lot of movement. I want to see change up horizontal movement compared to uh, the rest of the pack and kind of where it ranked uh, in, in, you know, in his prime for sure. Uh, also, I think, um, what are the, what are the charts where you find the like location data and where it has like the pitch re- description pitch? Yeah. I want to see the pitch description yeah. and how much he was exactly on the corners and how red those points were because, uh, those would be, those would be amazing to look at because he was always around the corners and also a little outside the zone because, you know, he would he would be able to expand his strike zone uh, as the game went on. Uh, what else am I thinking? Oh, exit velocity against, yeah. I think, would be uh, great to look at. And I think he would be definitely, like, 95th percentile or higher.
1: I bet we could see, like, uh, Greg Maddox is the only player in baseball history to have, in a single season, uh, an average exit velocity against in the top 10 percentile and a fastball velocity in the
0: bottom 10 percentile. right. Exactly. Exactly. Like, I bet that could be a thing. Yeah, it very well could. So, I think, uh, yeah, average exit velocity against hard hit rate against, you know, where that ranked uh, compared to the rest of the pack would be extremely interesting. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, change up horizontal movement would be nice, and uh, I think, yeah, I think he threw, you know, a two seam fastball which is uh, labeled as a sinker on Statcast. The st- the sinker horizontal movement would also be interesting to see compared to. Uh, everyone else. And uh, yeah, I think, I think that's all I got on, uh, on Greg Maddox. My number three is uh, Mickey Mantle, because they always talk about how far his home runs were. I want to see how much of that is real and, uh, and, and see, you know, what the projected distance on his home runs were. Um, Because there's legend of him hitting like 565 footers. I'm not exactly so sure on that, and i want to see uh what those were like um and also like him being a switch hitter was would be interesting to see what his home runs were compared as a as a lefty and as a righty and that's really mostly what i have i think uh, all the other reasons are are pretty um you know it, it can be without saying you know uh, his average exit velocity his uh his average exit velocity and what else um I'm just playing with the audio. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Average exit velocity, barrel rate. You know. All. All the offensive players. We're gonna look at that stuff anyway. Um. What is your number three?
1: My number three is one of my favorites. Uh. Very underrated. I wish we had more than just statcast for him. I wish he had like six to eight more years in his career. Ralph Kiner. Right. Yeah. Ralph Kiner is a guy who. So this is one of my favorite things. In 1946, he debuted in the majors and led the National League with 26 home runs, I think. And then the next year, in 1947, he also led the National League with 51 home runs. (laughs) Uh, Like, that is such a dramatic change for someone who led the league in home runs in back-to-back years. And it's also a guy who did it in his first two career years. By the way, he also led the majors in home run, or he led the National League in home runs in each of his first seven seasons. He also has the record for most home runs through their first eight career seasons, with a whopping uh, three hundred and twenty-nine. It's hilarious. Yeah, over uh, forty a year. That guy, this guy, was wrecking baseballs. And like there's no there's virtually no footage of him playing whatsoever. Right. Like if you search for Ralph Kiner on the M L B film room, it's like the pirates retiring his number and like honoring him after he passed away in twenty fourteen. There's literally Nothing on him playing. I need some sort of footage of this guy. I need something to to look at other than his baseball reference and his fan graphs pages. I want to see, he was a guy who didn't strike out a lot as well. So I'd love to see like his ta- his swing and take percentages. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. I'd love to see his chase rate. I would love to see everything. I think that'd
0: be red circles galore. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, And your number two. All right. So my number two, you can all you need to
1: show me is really one season. And you could tell you can take you know, I tell take his whole career too, but I would need to see the infamous Old Haas Radborn eighteen eighty
0: four. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. I need to see that. <laughs> yeah, eighteen eighty four was just such a different time, man. We don't even have game logs or anything. So I need to see like this guy was just going out there every single day pitching a complete game every single day leading the Providence Grays to an eighty what was it eighty four and twenty seven or something like that record eighty four and twenty eight I think damn I was one off but still um, I need to see Old Haas Radborn season man I want to see the pitch description I want to see his locations I want to I mean I could probably do some savant search stuff you can give me way more how about that with that yeah for I need sure. to see everything about that Old Haas Radborn career and mostly eighteen eighty four season.
0: Right. And I'll, I believe 1884 was when they started going overhand instead mm-hmm.
1: of. Yeah. Like pitch, still like pitch release stuff. Yeah. Like I would love to see like the difference between like pitch release points between 1883,
0: 84. Yeah. Yeah. That would, that would be really interesting. Also. Um, yeah. Cause Walter Johnson would be interesting too, because I'm pretty sure if you look at video of Walter Johnson, he's, it's like a weird Justin Masterson. Yeah. type. <laughs> That's all the, the only way I can describe it is like, Sidearm, but, side, yeah. but not really sidearm. It's
1: like his he's extended he's extending his arm like at a forty five degree angle almost.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But he's not like submarining or anything close to that. Um so yeah, my number two is, you know, for similar reasons with Mickey Mantle. I gotta see Babe Ruth's mm-hmm. stat cast. Uh, you know, he's a legend of the game. Uh, he's, there's many stories about him. Uh, I want to know, I want to know more about him with the Statcast data. I want to know, uh, what those projected home run distances were like. And, uh, also what would be interesting to see is, uh, probably like difference in launch angle mm-hmm. and seeing how that kind of increased. Uh, unfortunately I don't really have a player on the list who went from, uh, dead ball era to live ball era and kind of changed, I think maybe an honorable mention would be someone who did that and like changed their launch angle. Cause I think that would be pretty interesting. Uh, I, I think the Babe Ruth change in launch angle would be uh, pretty interesting as well. You know, especially going from a guy that was looked at as a, as a pitcher who's, who's like a pitcher who was just hitting when he was pitching to a guy who uh, was playing offense every day. I think that would be pretty cool to uh, look at. And yeah, the percentile rankings would just be, I mean, (laughs) the difference between his average exit velocity and like the second best, especially in the early twenties when no one else was really hitting home runs, that would be something, uh, for sure. And I think it's pretty inexplicable. You, you, you really, uh, that would be something to, to look at. And, uh, I guess that leads to my, uh, number one, uh, my number one is actually Nolan Ryan. Yeah. Uh, Nolan Ryan, I believe, would be pro- one of the more fascinating to look at, not only because of the fastball velocity and how it, how it would compare to uh, everyone else, but also because of you know the curveball and his like uh, exit velocity stats against him. Because I believe he has the best hits per nine, best career hits per nine of all time, and uh, and you know, like the lowest average against of all time, give, you know, with a minimum amount of uh, plate appearances against him. So that would be fascinating because, you know, we look at, it would be similar to like how Corbin Burns is this year where he's getting a lot of strikeouts and he's not getting any hard hit contact against him. Uh, I think that would be pretty fascinating to look at. And also uh, Nolan Ryan's FIP is pretty, is a decent amount lower. Career FIP is a decent amount lower than his Uh, career ERA I think it would be pretty interesting to see uh, what his expected ERAs were because he was never really on he was never on great teams. so I think his defense was never never exactly great around him so I think it would be interesting to see if he you know how unlucky he was uh, certain years Uh, so yeah you know Pretty much pretty much everything I wanted to talk about with Nolan Ryan what is your number one so my number one is also
1: a pitcher and it's also someone who was previously mentioned it's the wonder of wiser <laughs> it's the big train it's Walter Johnson uh, this is a guy who pitched very well in the era where not really many people were pitching well or at least a little before that I want to see I want to see the first of all uh, I want to see like the the individual pitches that he was throwing in game 7 of the 1925 world series yep that's where it was super rainy they played in a like a literal rainstorm and walter johnson did not win that game but uh i would love to see like the pitch descriptions of that game specifically i would love to see like you mentioned earlier release points uh i would love to see his strikeout like numbers the locations i would love to do search tool stuff with him i would love to do uh, just about everything I'd love to see his spin rates release points there's there's not a single thing I wouldn't look at with Walter Johnson like if I were able to get a hand on his savant page, I would look at every inch of it like I would take an entire day to do that that would be the first player I'd look at um i I would also look at the home runs he allowed because he allowed point one home runs per nine so I would love to see how those happened yep you know because you could click on like the little dots in those videos that play. Yep. You know, if that existed, I would check out every single one of them and wonder how it ever happened. I would love to see specific matchups. This is a guy who faced Babe Ruth plenty of times. He was in the American League at the same time that he was at his peak. Um I would love to see just about all that. He faced a lot of, of very good players between 1907 and 1927 from yeah. different eras. Yeah. You know, he yeah. probably faced Nap Lajoie a lot. Right. He probably right. faced a bunch of people that would just be fascinating to look at.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um so yeah, those are our, our lists. Very uh very happy we did this yeah. there's not much to talk about but that was fun. But you know, yeah. Good stuff, good stuff there. Um and uh and we're uh yeah, continuing to talk about history. It's very, very fun. Um all right, so I guess that leads into players to highlight.
1: Should we uh should we just go through our lists one more time?
0: Yeah, let's do that. I right, I'll go first.
1: So my number 10 is Jimmy Fox. My number nine is Nap Joie. My number eight is Johnny Bench. My number seven is Nolan Ryan. My number six is Bob Feller. My number five is Roberto Clemente. My number four is Barry Bonds. My number three is Ralph Kiner. My number two is Old House Radborn. My number one is Walter Johnson.
0: My number 10 is Sandy Koufax. My number nine is Billy Hamilton of the 1890s, not the player today. We already
1: have set cast on him.
0: Yeah. My number eight is Josh Gibson. My number seven is Walter Johnson. My number six is Barry Bonds. My number five is Andrew Jones. Number four, Greg Maddox. Number three, Mickey Mantle. Number two, Babe Ruth. Number one, Nolan Ryan. And we had, uh, what two or three three overlaps? Yeah. Ryan, Johnson, and Bonds. Uh,
1: Ricky Henderson, honorable mention. Yeah, I that wrote, would be a fun one to have. I
0: wrote down a. I just wrote down a bunch of names. Perfect. Uh, that that, like, I wanted to consider, and then I bro- broke it down to 10 players. Uh, yeah, honorable mentions for me that I didn't mention. Uh, Ted Williams, I think, would be fascinating, especially with, like, chase rate and everything. He mm-hmm. had one of the highest walk rates ever. Um, Willie Mays, uh, obviously. Ricky Henderson, Hannes Wagner, uh, Ozzie Smith, uh, Pudge Rodriguez, because we didn't necessarily get, like, catch pop time on, on him. And uh, Brooks Robinson and Mike Schmidt. Uh, yeah, a
1: couple for me as well. Uh, Hank Aaron was <laughs> not mentioned. Bob Gibson, yep, was would be a good one. Uh, Derek Jeter, for obvious reasons.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, also
1: Joe DiMaggio, because I would love to see what his numbers, what his expected statistics look like during the streak.
0: Right. Yeah. Like yeah, how many like just like uh, how many Texas how Leaguers. many times
1: like should it have ended but it didn't?
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. That yeah that would be fascinating for sure. Th- I didn't think of that. Um. All right. So that does it for step stat- for players. We wish we had uh, Statcast four. And uh, now we get into players to highlight. Also,
1: t- another one more honorable mention: Mariano Rivera. Just so I could see the stati- statistics on his
0: cutter. Yep. Horizontal movement.
1: Yeah. Well, even just like opponent averages, opponent slugging percentages, yep. expected statistics.
0: Yeah, and That'd I think cool exit v- exit velocity against would be pretty fascinating too because. Mm-hmm. Not many people were getting hard contact off of him. Um, all right. So now on to players to highlight uh, for good and bad reasons. We'll start off with good. Uh, now for our Thursday, September 9th. 9th, 2021 edition of... I don't think that was loud enough. Oh, no. I don't know. Maybe it was heard. I don't know. Edit it in. We'll edit it in. Yeah. Um, who do you got for how about that? So uh,
1: my how about that for today is one of the uh, one of the underrated steals from the trade deadline. Do you remember, Chris, when the Blue Jays traded for Brad Hand and they released him after a month? Um. Yeah, I, did, I well, do remember that. The guy they traded for him is a guy named Riley Adams, who has been performing very well for the Nationals. Uh, Since that trade. Since he joined the Nationals, he is slashing 327, 439, 545 with a 985 OPS. That is in 66 plate appearances. His 439 OBP is the fourth highest among the 287 players with at least 60 plate appearances since then. A lot of that is due to his five hit by pitches since then. Uh, he also has a 385, 429, 692, 1121 slash line with runners in scoring position and a 375, 375, 875, 1250 in high leverage situations. He is one of just five players since 1901 to have a 1-plus win probability added, 5-plus hit-by-pitches, and a 415-plus OBP in his first 23 games with a franchise. And you're going to love the list of people he joins. <laughs> it is Shin Su Chu, Carlos Quinton. Josh Willingham and Homer Suma of the 1922 Cleveland Indians. That is the list that Riley Adams is joining. Wow.
0: Riley, uh, Riley Adams. Um, yeah, very, uh, that's a good one. That's kind of very, very under the radar guy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, shout out to shout out to the blue Jays there. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's a tough one. Not a, not a great acquisition made. Um, my, how about that, is uh, an ARR comeback special. He's someone who uh, definitely was underperforming, and now he's kind of back on track and in a pit of pivotal time for this franchise because they are dead in the middle of a playoff push. Uh, my, how about that, is Blake Snell, who in his last... Comeback special. Yeah, ARR comeback special. Um, in his last seven starts, he has a one eight five ERA and a two three four FIP and forty three and two thirds innings pitch. Out of fifty six qualifiers in this span, Snell ranks eighth in ERA, sixth in FIP, and first in strikeouts per nine. Before the span, his walk rate was fourteen point three percent and in this span it is eight point six percent. Walks was one of the things you mentioned was a big problem of uh Blake Snell's and before this span, his strikeout rate was which is already pretty good and in this span it is 39.9% and uh, before August Snell only completed seven or more innings once uh, in in the year of 2021 but in this span he has completed seven or more innings four times. Uh, Pretty crazy the transformation there and uh, first of all I gotta shout out uh, Thomas Harrigan of MLB.com who actually wrote an article about what he changed. Uh, it was featured on baseball. Savant uh, his. So Blake Snell's four seam fastball usage went from 49.8% in this span uh, or 49.8% before the span to 57.8% in this span. Well while his slider usage went up over 10 percentage points. And uh, the reason both of those went up is also because, uh, he went, he went from using the changeup 14.3% of the time to using it less than 1% of the time. Uh, that's because hitters were slugging 6.10 off of that changeup. So it wasn't working, and he finally abandoned it from his pitch mix. And uh, it went away, and he's succeeding because of it. And uh, lastly, this is the highest strikeout rate in a seven-game span with 100-plus batters faced in Padres history. So uh, Blake Snell. Oh, how that? Don't call it a comeback.' All right, so now we go from the highs to the lows where we're talking players or subjects that have been underperforming. Now for our Thursday, or yeah, Thursday, September 9th, 2021 edition of slightly alarming. Uh, what do you got for us today? So my
1: slightly alarming, uh, is someone who recently came back from an injury, played a couple of good games immediately after coming off the I.O., but has since really not been in his groove, it's Mike Moustakis, who, yeah. since August 10th, is slashing 141, 191, 281 for a 472 OPS. His 191 OBP since then is the third worst among the 256 headers to accumulate at least 60 plate appearances, and his 23 weighted runs created plus ranks the sixth worst. Since August 7th, 40% of his batted balls have had a launch angle above 30 while not crossing the hard hit threshold at an exit velocity. So that means they're being hit less than 95 miles an hour, and it's being hit above 30 degrees. And, you know, 30-degree launch angle is okay, but you better be getting some exit velocity on it, or it's yeah. just going to be a flyout every time. And that's what it's been for Moustakas. I believe he has 18 of such batted balls since August 7th. None of them have been hits. They've all been flyouts. And like I mentioned, 40% of his batted balls have been like that. That is tied for the fourth highest rate in the majors among the 340 hitters with at least 25 batted balls since then. And it's also the highest rate among those with 40-plus batted balls since August 7th.
0: Yeah. Uh, Mike Mustakis. Slightly alarming. Uh, my slightly alarming is uh, a freeze-over. I keep, just, I keep just taking your. How about yeah. that? Since slightly I want to al- see like the the freeze over or or comeback
1: special rate. Yeah, like what I, percent of my people just get taken from by you I, later on?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I'm looking at it's the it's tough. Number- no, I get it. It's tough at this point of the season because we've already covered a lot of people. Yeah, and naturally, guys are going to get better or worse throughout a year. Um, my slightly alarming is Chris Taylor of the Los Angeles Dodgers, who in his last 14 games. He's hitting 096 with a 374 OPS and a 39.3% strikeout rate. Uh, out of 174 qualifiers in the last 16 days, his average ranks his average ranks 172nd. His on-base percentage ranks 173rd out of 174 and his OPS ranks 171st. And his strikeout rate also ranks for the third highest among these 174 qualifiers. And along with that, he's popping the ball up a little too much. Of the 236 batters with 25-plus batted balls in this span, Taylor has the 11th highest pop-up rate, and his launch angle is the 6th highest. So Chris Taylor getting a slightly alarming and also a freeze-over. Uh, so, you know, hate to, hate to steal some guys. I mean, I I do it all the time, but you know, it's what, what, what can you do? Sometimes you just got to cover some guys. Yep. Uh, now to the preview of the week ahead or weekend ahead, I should say, luckily, because now we're actually back in school and the weekend matters. Uh, my, uh, you know, series to watch i'll d- I'll be doing series to watch Daniel usually does the day by day matchups uh I would say series to watch uh you know Red sox white sox should be interesting that's gonna be at guaranteed guaranteed rate fields. We've highlighted some of the white sox struggles with uh above five hundred teams, but also the Red sox aren't the hottest team they're they've been colder but they're not the hottest team so uh you know we'll see how that matchup lines up right now. The White Sox don't have any pe- don't have anybody pegged for Friday or Saturday, but they've got uh, Dylan Cease going against the Red Sox on uh, Saturday. Or uh, what I meant to say, they don't have any one pegged for Friday or Sunday. They have Dylan Cease for uh, Saturday, and uh, I would I would just say you know as from a baseball pa- fan perspective, I would watch both the uh, Dodgers, Padres, and Reds, Cardinals series. Uh, if you could, because, you know, Reds Padres obviously in the middle of a dead heat for that wild card spot. And also the Dodgers are going to be, are in a, uh, position to maybe win or not win the National League West. So that should be, uh, those should be some pretty important series to look at. Uh, what do you got for day by day matchups? So, uh, Thursday,
1: today, not too much going on. Two games have already started, um, Kyle Quantrill will be going for the Guardians against the Twins. Marcus Stroman will be going for the Mets against the Marlins. John Means will be going for the Orioles against the Royals. Uh, Antonio Sensatella and Ranger Suarez will be facing each other in Rockies-Phillies. And Haskari and Noah will be facing the Nationals for the Braves. Match of the night comes from the finale of Blue Jays-Yankees. Blue Jays looking for the four-game sweep in the Bronx. Jose Barrios versus Nestor Cortez. That'll be the one to watch. On Friday, you have Tanner Houck going for the Red Sox against the White Sox. That's going to be a good series. You have Kyle Hendricks going for the Cubs against the Giants at Wrigley. You have uh, Cy Young candidate Robbie Ray going against the Orioles at Camden. You have uh, Adrian Hauser going for the Brewers against uh, Eli Morgan and the Indians. That'll be a good one. Herman Marquez will be going on Friday for the Rockies against the Phillies. You also have uh, Trevor Rogers going for the Marlins against the Braves. And Tyler Molly going for the Reds against the Cardinals, like you mentioned. Joe Musgrove versus uh, Julio Urias on Friday in uh, Padres and Dodgers. Matchup of the night comes from Angels and Astros. Shohei Otani going against Framber Valdez. That'll be an exciting matchup to watch for sure. On Saturday, not a lot is announced. You have Dylan Cease going for the White Sox against the Red Sox. You have Hunjin Ryu going for the Blue Jays against the Orioles. Zach Wheeler going for the Phillies against the Rockies. Luis Patino and Casey Mize facing off against each other in uh, Rays-Tigers. That'll be a good one for youth uh, for for that matchup. You also have Luis Castillo going for the Reds against the Cardinals. You have Eliza Hernandez going for the Marlins against the Braves. Uh... Chris Paddock versus Walker Bueller facing each other in Padres and Dodgers. And the matchup of the night comes from Brewers and Guardians. We have Corbin Burns versus Zach Pelizak. Yeah. Yeah. That is that matchup. And then on Sunday, Chris Sale goes for the Red Sox against the White Sox. Stephen Matz goes for the Blue Jays against the Orioles. Aaron Nola goes for the Phillies against the Rockies. You have Brandon Woodruff going for the Brewers against the Guardians. Uh, You have – that's not that good of a matchup. Uh, Bailey Ober has been pitching a lot better recently. He'll be going for the Twins against the Royals in Minnesota. You have Sonny Gray going for the Reds in the finale against the Cardinals. Justin Steele going for the Cubs against the Giants. James Caprillion going for the A's against the Rangers. Uh, Tyler Gilbert going for the uh, Diamondbacks against the Mariners. I hope Logan Gilbert pitches that game. Carlos Carrasco will pitch on Sunday Night Baseball for the Mets against the Yankees in the Subway Series. Matchup of the night comes from the last game of the season between the Dodgers and Padres, in the regular season at least. Uh, Chris is how about that? Blake Snell versus Max Serger.
0: Yeah, uh, I thought I thought they were facing a, uh, each other once more in the season.
1: I don't think so. They're facing the Giants a bunch.
0: Yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, uh, September 28th through the 30th it's going to be at LA. Oh, okay. Okay, uh, you're right then. All right,
1: last one, last one in San Diego then.
0: Last or uh right. Yeah. Um yeah, second second to last series between those two what we thought would be the NL West powerhouses, but uh the Giants seemed to join them. Yeah. Um funny, funny how that uh narrative changed since like April. Uh yeah. We so, yeah, that's the uh, that's the end of the episode. We hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our new podcast equipment and we hope you get used to it because this is what we're using uh, for, you know, at least when we're in school. So, hope you're enjoying it. Uh, if you are, if you uh, want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel uh, on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Current and follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs. Uh, just had a, a nice Ted Simmons stat. You know, you, where, where else are you getting? Where else are you really getting that? Uh, it, who, who is who could possibly be talking about Ted Simmons right now?
1: Nobody. Literally, no one. Uh, does anyone even know what that guy's doing right now? No, yeah. of course not.
0: Yeah, he's probably just on a couch somewhere. Um, yeah, we. Uh, so yeah, we hope you enjoyed this one, and we hope to see you on. Monday, once again, where we're going to be talking uh, all the happenings in Major League Baseball. Once again, see you then. This conversation. This conversation is over.
1: Is over.